Thank you, Shelley and team, for leading us here this morning. Well, it's good to be with you guys here this morning, and uh, I wanted to get, draw your attention just to a couple guests that my wife and I have here this week. My 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 in-laws, my uh, my wife's parents are here from Canada, so you can can you guys say hi to Myrna and Jerry real quick. <laughs> Sorry to embarrass you guys. You can beat me up later. Um, well, we're uh, in a, a series here at the church, and we're grateful for our opportunity to come together uh, collectively and make sure that we're all on the same page, heading the same direction, because if you're trying to be the body of Christ and live out this thing, like we got to make sure we're going in the same direction if this is going to work. And so we've been started last week with a three-part series talking through mission and what it is that we believe as a body that we're called to be about. And the first one is this, the, the last week where we touched on is the encounter piece. It says, we exist to encounter Jesus Christ, equip followers for his service, and extend his love to the world. Last week we talked about encountering Jesus Christ, and we really desire for this to be a, a body where people show up with an expectation that, that God's going to show up. But that kind of an expectation that through worship, as we, as we worship the, the name of Jesus, as we proclaim his worth, that, that God shows up in the presence there, that as we unpack God's word as we go through different texts of scripture that you experience and encounter Christ through that. And then as we pray, as we go before him and we bring our concerns and we talk to him that you encounter Christ here on any given Sunday, any given program that we have. We want to be elevating this, this, uh, this commitment to encountering Christ. And we talked about last week how we believe there's some specific things that we can do to set the table for him to come and dine with us. And this week we're going into the next piece of that, uh, that mission statement, and that's this equip piece. And the equip idea we're going to unpack in kind of a uh, basically a two-part piece here this morning. But the idea of equip, there's a lot of things that come to your mind when you're thinking of equip. And, and where my mind went to this this week, as I was thinking back to my, my childhood, one of the things my dad and I really enjoyed doing together is we watched a series, maybe you've heard of it, called James Bond. Um, uh, this 007 secret agent. And do you remember back in the day, especially the older ones, they had a part in these movies where they'd show up and before going on the mission, 
he would show up with this crazy-looking scientist guy in a white lab coat. I picture Sean Connery right now showing up. And the, the guy always had a new gadget for him to use, right? Do you guys remember this? You guys heard of James Bond before? Is that a new one? Do we need to start there? But, uh, but he, he'd show up and he'd have all these gadgets and he'd have some kind of a watch he could talk to. He'd have this, this car that would shoot out flames out the back and machine guns out the side. So he was perfectly equipped for the spy mission that he was going to be going on. Well, th- this morning, and this is probably the worst example ever given in church, but, uh, but this morning the idea that I have behind this piece of being equipped for ministry is that this church becomes kind of the home base that everybody comes back to, gets geared up, ready to go back into the ministry that God's called them to. And that's our hope and desire for for ABF, that it becomes that place where on a Sunday morning that we're unpacking God's Word, getting us equipped and fired up and ready to go back into battle. And that's our hope and prayer this morning is that we're going to touch on basically two different areas. And the two things you can see if you're taking notes on that nice little sheet there. uh, The two things are helping, and this is what we're trying to equip people to do, helping followers deepen their lives in Christ and love for others. And the second piece, training them to use their gifts for his service. Those are the two elements that we're going to be focused on as a, as a church is that when we talk about equip, you're like, what's, what's he talking about? We're just, we're just wanting to help you deepen your relationship with Christ and love for others. And we're wanting to help you, empower you to use your gifts for his service. And so those are the things that we're wanting to be about as a, as a church and we're going to be talking about here this morning. But let me just start by just praying over this time together. God, we thank you for this chance to be in your house, to worship your name for the truths that were just sung about your character and your faithfulness and goodness to us. We just want so desperately to to take that love and extend it to the world around us, but we acknowledge that there's an equip piece to that. We don't come just out of the box ready to go. There's an equipping element of, of getting prepared for ministry. I pray this morning that, we'd be, that I'd be able to be clear on your word and what it is that you desire us to be equipped for. And God, that that would be something that permeates each one of our lives. That that would be something that when we're cut, we bleed that. Those are the things that we pursue collectively together. We acknowledge that that's only possible through your Holy Spirit's leading and directing here this morning. And so we invite you now to speak through your word. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to be looking, starting at a, looking at a passage in Matthew 22 that I know many of you are probably familiar with, so you can start turning there now, Matthew 22, 34. And you remember one of the, the patterns in the, the gospel messages is one of the things is the religious leaders of the times, the Pharisees and Sadducees, had this ongoing uh, attempt at discrediting Jesus by asking really tough questions. They would bring their A game, their best questions, trying to get Jesus to stumble over his words and, and, to, and to make himself uh, or reveal himself to be a false teacher or a false prophet. And so constantly bringing to him kind of their A game and trying to get him to just blow it, to just mess up. And this is probably the most noteworthy encounters like that where the, the, the Pharisees come before him. And let's take a look at the, at the text of what they come with their question says this, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, no offense to lawyers, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Let's pause there for a second. 
So we see what's happening there. The thing that, I, that first jumped out to me that I thought was interesting, it says, when the Pharisees heard that, the, that he had silenced the Sadducees, I looked up the words uh, silence there. It's actually a verb that means to muzzle or restrict from opening your mouth. The idea that the, they, they brought these questions before him and his responses had actually muzzled their mouths. They're, they're like, I got nothing else. I got no more questions. And so the Sadducees had nothing more to bring before them. And the Pharisees, the other religious leaders, in their arrogance, they kind of, I kind of picture them all getting together and huddling. And they're like, oh, those Sadducees, they didn't know what they were doing. But we got our A game. We've got our prize fighter, the lawyer here, that knows the, that we got our Mayweather that's ready to go into the ring. And, uh, and, and so they, they get, they get, uh, they, they get their, their lawyer, they get him who's already very versed in the law. And they say, you know what? If we can bring any kind of a question before him that allows him to, to discredit anything that Moses has said in the law, man, we're, we're, we're sealed. This is going to seal the deal for him because in that, in that culture, in that time, Moses was held, obviously, in very high regard. And if you did anything to, to obstruct what they believed about Moses, that was not going to fare well for you. So they're trying to push him into the corner saying, man, you've got to choose which one's the most important. Which, one's the, which one out of all of these is the, is the most important out of, out of all of these? I was thinking about this and how big of a, a question that was and what was actually happening. Sometimes when you read through some of these texts, you've read it for years and years. You can kind of get numb to it like, yeah, I remember that. I heard that since I was like nine. But think about what's actually the magnitude of what's happening there. The greatest man... Of all time, God in the flesh, God in an earth suit, Jesus Christ, is being asked, is being asked this question to survey the greatest book of all time, the Bible, God's written word, to survey the entire book and to summarize and say, what is the greatest thing that we're to be about? Like, what a big deal this was. If there was a drum roll ever, like, there should have been a drum roll happening there, right? Like, the, the, the God of the universe being asked, what is, in your book you wrote, what is the most important thing to be about as a people? And take a look at how he responds as the drum rolls. And he says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. He gives a bonus here. He says, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Man, some powerful, a powerful response. See, what's interesting is they were hoping that he'd go the opposite direction of the law that they were familiar with. But what does he do? He goes straight to actually the, the, that section of scripture was called the Shema. It was probably in that time, it was the most quoted and copied text of all of Scripture. So every single person that was there was very familiar with this. In fact, any good Jewish person actually repeated that portion of the text two different times every single day. Isn't that crazy? So this, the text that they pointed him to, he says, Now, I'm not trying to take you away from what the commandments have said. I'm just bringing you back to the basics bringing you back to the core of what we're to be about. And I love the picture that we get of God and his character in this. The picture that we get is that we have a God about relationship. Jesus' response is a beautiful picture of God's heart for relationship. He has a desire. He doesn't want, he doesn't want any kind of a robotic allegiance to him. If he wanted to create robots, like he wouldn't have done the whole free will thing, right? 
But instead, he chose, he wanted people that had a sold out love and compassion and desire to pursue a relationship with them. How crazy is that? How crazy is that? That the God of the universe, the one that created all, that spoke things into existence, that that God wants, out of all the things, if you were to ask him to narrow it down, what does he want the most from us? What does he want? He wants relationship. He wants devotion. He wants a sold out, committed. He paints the picture there. He wants a consuming love relationship that involves our heart, soul, and mind. That wasn't about three distinct things. That's just basically saying, I want your everything. I want all of you. I want your complete attention. And the cool thing is, is that once we've embraced Jesus' death for the forgiveness of our sins, once we've accepted that, that free gift, once that happens, we have the potential for an intimate relationship. He's saying, man, I did the, I'm doing the work on the cross so that you have this potential for a restored relationship. But the truth is that just because you've accepted Jesus' death as payment for your sin doesn't guarantee intimacy with God, right? In the same way that walking down the, the aisle with, with Adrian, with my, or I guess I didn't walk down the aisle. Um, that's weird. Uh, so, so I had on the tux. She walked down the aisle, and she looked cute. Doesn't she look cute there? And, uh, and, and so th- this, this relationship the, the, that, that started there, in the same way that speaking in front of that group and making commitments to each other, talking about a lifetime through death, through his part, like all that stuff, doesn't mean a hill of beans as far as developing intimacy. Those were the promises that started that. It only opened for those of you that are married. You get it. You don't stumble on intimacy with your spouse. Like that's not something that you just kind of, oh yeah, I fell into that. No, it's something that's pursued. And that's our, our hope as a church body is that we come alongside and we help you grow and deepen in your intimacy with God, your love for God. How are we doing on that? How are we doing on that? Can we honestly say here this morning, man, I love God more than I ever have, and it's a growing love. And I'd love that. Many of you can say that here this morning. That's a fantastic thing. But we want to come alongside and help that develop that intimacy. I've noticed my, my wife and I, uh, it's hard with, with young kids finding time to, to get away and, and date nights and pulling aside. But one of the things that we do when we, when we do get away is we really enjoy a good meal together. Any other foodies out there? Like we enjoy like Taco Bell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> But we enjoy going to, and, and I've noticed my, my wife, uh, we've talked about the love languages. You guys ever read that before? Like what are, uh, she, she's pretty confident that we need to add like a food element in there. Uh, I think that's the sixth one. Uh, but we, we've really grown to like enjoy the taste of like good food and uh, and. Yeah, so uh, where was I going with that? Uh, see, I got lost in it. Now you guys are all thinking about your lunch too. Uh, <laughs> But, but, this, but this idea of when we go out, one of the things that, that happens is we get a chance to actually slow down, hit the pause button. I get to start asking her, and I try to do some of these things. So notice the word try here. I, I try to ask her about her life, try to encourage her some of the things I appreciate and love about her. She asks me about my life. She takes time to listen to some of the crazy things going through this bald head. Like we have, we have, we have, we have things, like that, that encounter happens when, when we actually slow down and take time over a meal, a good one, uh, to, to, to talk and connect. And the same is true if you think about it relationally with God. We're wanting to set the table here on a Sunday morning 
for you to slow down, for you to get a chance to tell God how, how great you think he is through worship, for you to get a chance to, to talk to him, to, to hear from his word. What is, he, what is he, his thought on your life and the things that are going on? For you to get a chance to talk back to him in prayer where you're telling him what's going on in your life. Do you understand? Do you get that relational picture there? That's the same idea, and we believe that, that we're so important in the life of every believer that this Sunday piece together, that that's a part of growing and deepening that intimacy with God. So how are we doing on that? How are we doing with making that a priority? I believe that it sets what happens here on Sundays, sets the tone for the rest of the week. Have you guys noticed that? When this becomes a priority and you're like, man, I came out of there just refreshed, encouraged, then, then all of a sudden the, the, your quiet times, your time with the Lord going into the rest of your week is so much better. In the same way, after a date night, the rest of our week goes so much better after we've had chances to connect. And so that's the, the one thing that God asked, the primary thing. He says, man, it has to start with the basics. It's got to start with a love of God. It's got to start there. And then what comes out of that is the, the cool thing he describes in the text there. He says, this is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. I think that's interesting that he, that he notes that there's a very similar comparison, that the second piece, if we actually love God, it's going to ripple into our love of people, our love of people. When you, when you have that, that, uh, that relationship there, we'll talk about that in a second. Um, but when, when we have, a, when we have a, a relationship with God, it trickles in to the people, the children, the image bearers. If you think about this family picture that I'm trying to paint here, like my love for my wife has trickled into a fierce love for my crazy little three little tyrants you see there. Like you start to see that they're little image bearers of the one that I love. They're little image bearers, like even crazy Alexa. What's she doing with her tongue there? I don't know. I'm a little concerned about that. The, uh, the, then Chase just looks like he's, the, every, every boy has like photo face. He's got the photo face going there. And then, uh, and then Sienna with her, her cute little, little smile there reflecting your mom. And uh, clearly any good looks are coming from her. But, uh, but, but the idea here is this picture of love. If we love God... It's got to ripple into a love for people. In fact, it's talked about all over the place in Scripture that there's got to be that, that connection be, between the two. It, sa it says this in my notes somewhere. It says, says something really cool. Um, it says, uh, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. There's a partnership between the two. There has to be a link. My love for Adrian overflows into love for, love for my kids. And the same is true for us, is that our love for God needs to overflow into a love for people. How are we doing on this? If you're to adjust and say like where your, your love meter is, do you see people right now as kind of more of an annoyance? Like, do you see people as more of a, like, a means to an end? How is your love meter with people? You see, when it's growing and it's an intimate, growing relationship with God, it trickles into the other. That's why I love that Jesus said in Matthew 25, 40, he says, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to who? To me. To me. 
He makes that connection point all over in the word that our, our love for him ripples into a love for people. One of the things that we're trying to do to help us grow in our ability to, to love each other well is we, we're introducing, and John's doing a fantastic job of this, is these life groups where we're basically throwing a bunch of random people in rooms and telling them to love each other. And, uh, and, the, and the cool thing is, the cool thing is, is that when they start to get together, uh, it's not like a weird like cult thing going, like we have, these are small groups, that's the new term for it, huh? life groups. And so they get together, spend time getting into God's word, sharing what's going on in each other's lives, holding each other accountable, call, making maybe some tough challenges and, and calls out in each other's life. And what starts to happen there, Bill, is this correct? Like in your, in your life group, like, starts to happen. You, you start to grow in your ability to love each other. You start to see, like, hey, even though this person's very different from me and wired up and maybe even a little weird, like, I love them, though. You know, like, like the, the, the love quotient, yeah. And, and, and it starts to grow, and these, these life groups allow that to happen. So when you hear us talking about, like, yeah, get into the life group, it's not because we get a kick out of saying, yes, we've caged them all in these groups. Like, no, like, no, no. Like, it's because we believe that the love for each other grows when you're doing life together. You start to know and be known, and God does an amazing thing in and through us when we grow in that area. One of the things that I've noticed that happens when you really love somebody and when you start to grow in that area is your desire, tell me if I'm not correct here, your desire to serve them starts to actually grow. It's crazy. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. But, but when you start to love somebody, it starts to ripple not just into each other, into God, but it starts to ripple into like, man, I just want to serve them. Like my, my uh, in-laws that are in town are a fantastic example of this. One of their ways that they express love is through acts of service. They're fantastic. I, I go home and I find things that were clean that I didn't even know could get cleaned. You know, like, like I, I mean, like they're, they're unbelievable. Like they don't sit down all day. I'm like, just relax. This is California. People don't do things here. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, and so... Uh, and so, but, but they've, they've determined, they've determined that love is lived out through serving others. And that's what we're talking about here next in this last piece is, the, is this element of using our gifts, the, using our gifts. The, the, the funny thing is, is that God has uniquely given us, I love this definition that Rick Warren came up for spiritual gifts, it says it's a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every believer at their conversion to be used to minister to others and therefore build up the body of Christ. Don't try to write all that down. But the idea is it's something that's given to each one of us that sets us apart. It's unique. It makes us different and it gives us the ability to serve the entire body. I went on a Thursday night. We had an elders meeting and at 9.30 we finished and, or somewhere in there. I uh, got on, on the road and drove up to Fresno, uh, to, to, which meant, meant a really late night. Went up to see my, my best friend who's a, a pastor up there for his birthday. He's, he's reclaimed the name. He calls it Fres Yes uh, there. But... Um, <laughs> But uh, that's, that wasn't my experience there. But, uh, but, but anyway, uh, one of the cool things he, he got to do, he's a, he's a pastor, and he took me to, over to, to visit his church and kind of doing the little tour thing, kind of she, seeing the, the facility there. And uh, when I was there, there's a guy that was there, and he's working. He's real diligent. I go over and, and meet him. And, uh, and my friend Joe's like, yeah, this is the guy in our church. He does, he does all the tech stuff. He does all the, he does all the wiring. He does all of our computer stuff. And, uh, and I was thinking, you know what? We have our same version of that here at ABF. His name is Will Lindau in the back. Like he uses, like, 
it's kind of fun how every church like kind of either has one or two versions of that. We've got a few versions of that. And it's, it's, it's versions of people that have recognized their gifts and start using them. Start rolling up their sleeves and saying, hey, this is what I'm able to contribute. This is what, what I'm, I'm able to do. Now, now if, if I asked, uh, take your pick, so if, if I asked, if I pick someone here, it's going to be somebody that's good at computers. Shelly, if I asked you to fix my computer or to lay some line for tech stuff, like, what would you do? You, you wouldn't do it. It wouldn't do a whole lot. Because, because your gifting is clearly musical, Right? The, the cool thing is, God's made each one of us with unique gifts to bring to the table. Like, uh, like the, uh, and when it's not, when it's working well, it's a beautiful thing. You see, these, this idea of spiritual gifts, I feel like in American church, we've kind of swung the pendulum away from that because we've gotten freaked out by some of the crazy gifts. And, uh, and so we've swung away from that and started thinking like, man, is that even like something we should be talking about? I believe that when a healthy church is doing, functioning properly, man, gifts are being used all over the place. And it's not something that we're allowed to ignore. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12.1, Paul talking to the Corinthians says this, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. It's not something that we have a permission to be like, I don't even know what my gifts are, and I don't even know if I got any. Like, uh, like the truth is, each one of us, we're going to talk through that in a second, each one of us is uniquely wired up to serve. And I've found one of the best ways you figure out how, what, how you're wired up and how you're gifted to serve is you just start serving. You know, you find out things that you're like, I'm clearly not good at that, but thank you. You know what I mean? Anybody else been there? Like, man, junior hires can't deal with them, but uh, <laughs> just, just kidding. Um, <laughs> but you figure it out by rolling up your sleeve. In fact, next week after the, the, after the services, we're doing this thing called Taste of Serving, where we're going to have tables set up outside. We're going to have each of the different ministries that are in the church set up out there with being able to answer questions, tell you about different serving opportunities. My hope is, is that we as a church body start rolling up our sleeves and saying, yeah, I want to serve there. I want to try that out. I want to, I want to try to exercise my gifts there. It's a beautiful thing when that happens. I want to talk through just briefly. You can see in your notes there, and probably most of this is, is based on Rick Warren has done some work called Shape, which is a workshop that we eventually want to do with one of our Equip You electives, just talking about spiritual gifts. But 10 truths about gifts I just want to talk and touch on briefly just in a laying a groundwork for our understanding of spiritual gifts. You guys might see them there in your notes. Only the first one is this. Only believers have spiritual gifts. Otherwise, it wouldn't be spiritual, right? So only believers have spiritual gifts. The second one, every Christian has at least one gift. For any of you that are just saying, like, I got left behind, you know what I mean? Like, no, like every single believer has at least one gift. No one, for those of you that are maybe a little arrogant, no one has all the gifts. No one has all the gifts. You didn't get all of them. I don't care how great you think you are. You don't have all of them. No one gets all the gifts. Then this one, no single gift is given to everyone. There's not like one set one. Like the, the music thing was clearly for some specific people. I did not get that one. Like when they say sing and clap, I'm like, pick one or the other. You don't get both. And, uh... Like the, uh, like the music gift, like not, not everybody. So not everybody, uh, not everybody has the same one. Um, the f number five, is that where I'm at? 
can't earn or work for your spiritual gifts, so you can't earn it. There's nothing. That's kind of a contradiction of terms, right? It's not a gift if it's something that you have to earn. It's not like, man, if I work a little bit harder, maybe I'll be good at tech. Like, no, that's not how it works. Like, some people are just gifted a particular way. The Holy Spirit decides what gifts I get, not me. Isn't that a good thing, right? Like the Holy Spirit decided what gifts you'd be given. You didn't get to choose. You didn't go to the, the spiritual gift store and say, I'll take one of those and those and those. You know what I mean? Like that's not how it works. The Holy Spirit has chosen uniquely how to wire you up. And it's a fun thing figuring that out. So the Holy Spirit decides what gifts. The gifts I'm given are permanent. They're permanent. You can't trade them in. Like you, you've got it for life. Like God's wired, you can try to run and hide, you can avoid it, but God has gifted you in a particular way for a particular reason, and they're permanent, they're lifelong. The next one there, I'm to develop the gifts that God gives me. I'm to develop them. We don't show up with them just being super sharp. It might be like, man, I think I have this gift, but we have to develop it. We need to work on it. We have to start exercising that. One of the, the things I've noticed, I think I've even said it before uh, about my son Chase, is like, we'll try a new sport, and he'll be like, ah, Dad, I'm just not good at it. And I'm like, well, no kidding, you're not good at it. You've never done it until now. Like, it's something that you have to work on and develop and grow in that particular area. You have to develop them. This next one's maybe a little bit convicting. Is this, it is a sin to waste the gifts God gave me. We don't have permission to sit on the sidelines and not do anything. Like God's called us for a purpose. He has a plan. He wants to do things through you using your gifts. How are we doing on that? The outcome is for, with our best interest, and that leads to the last one. Using my gifts glorifies God and helps me grow. It helps me grow. The outcome of it is with our best interest. It's a love thing. It's saying, I'm giving you these things because I love you. It's going to allow you to put the spotlight on me and grow yourself personally. I try to make it over to 24-hour fitness a couple times a week just so I can eat more and, uh, and uh, go, go there a few times. But it's fun to see the people that have, like, put in the work. You know what I mean? Like, you, you see some of these guys in there, and they're just like, you're like, you're done. Go home. You've already finished. <laughs> you, you, you've, you've arrived. And, 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 and the, the, the picture here that I, that I have is this, this idea of, of gifting is that is that it's, it, it builds us up. Ephesians 4.16 says this, When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When each part of us as a church is using our gifts, when we're bringing them to the table, when we're exercising them, it starts to build up. And then what happens? I love that it comes kind of full circle here. What does it say that it builds up? It builds itself up in love. Back to the love thing. Back to the core idea here. When we're using our gifts, when we're serving people through, through the exercise of them, it's showing, it's expressing our love. When we're serving and, and, and getting involved in the church, it's exercising our love towards God. It builds up and expands. And I'll tell you what, when it does, you're not going to be able to find an empty seat in this, ro in this room. Our first service was kind of light. I think all of you went to the Equip You electives and then came to this. But, but, but the idea is that, that when, when a church is functioning the way that it's supposed to be, it's a beautiful thing. The body can be such an attractive thing when the church body is doing the right thing, when, when they're using their gifts. 
And that's the hope and prayer here is that we would be moving that direction. That we'd be moving that direction to have this, this first vertical love and then this horizontal love. I love the picture, and I'll leave you with this, this thought just as we're clo- closing, is that first Jesus gets pushed into the corner trying to get him to stumble on his words. First he comes and he, and he speaks about this idea of, of a vertical love and a horizontal love. But then what happens after that? He expresses that. He expresses that. The vertical love, the obedience to God, the Father, even unto death, the, the, the horizontal love on the cross, extending out his love for, for each one of us by this extreme sacrifice. Like, what greater love is this than somebody who'd lay down their life for a friend? Like, how crazy is that? He didn't just talk about it. He set the example for it. He lived it out on our behalf for us to follow. And that's my prayer for us as a church, that we get just back to some of the basics, some of those simple things. You're like, yeah, I've been hearing that for years. Well, guess what? It's still the same. Love God love people. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for this text. We thank you for this scripture where we saw a picture of you being pressed, the God of the universe in the the flesh being pressed on what it is that we're to be all about. And what you say is the same thing that we want to say as a church and what we want to equip people towards is loving you, an intimate, deepening love relationship with you and also that then trickling into a love relationship with those around us. God, we recognize that we can't do any of this in our own strength. We're so thankful that you sent us your helper, your spirit living inside of us to empower us, to, to teach us about intimacy. This stuff is, is not intuitive. It's something that, that we have to grow in and mature in, God. And I pray that for all of us collectively that you'd grow our hearts for you, our love for you, that that deepen, that we wouldn't just be on autopilot, God. Just break us out of some of that mold and monotony, God. Stretch us. And God, that you'd grow the the love meter that we have for the world around us, God, because we can't get to next week's topic of extend unless it starts with love. That has to compel us. That has to be the thing that motivates, and we know we need you to do that. We thank you and praise you here this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Uh, Could you all please stand while we sing this last song?
hope is is that the yoke that we're asked to carry this week is fairly simple love God love people that's that seems doable right well my prayer for you this week is that you get an opportunity to live that out if you guys need prayer for anything we have a few volunteers and leaders here this morning uh, to be praying for you and we're going to start doing something different with the prayers every week have or next couple weeks at least try this out have a specific area of prayer focus and so if there's somebody in here that's maybe struggling through some something dealing with employment or dealing with something financial, that's the specific area we'd love to pray for this morning. Pray you have a fantastic week. God bless.